What's up, Soul Company? You guys can go ahead and grab a seat. Soul Company, how are we doing tonight? Oh, it is so good to be back. I missed you guys. If I don't know you, my name is Colin, and I also uh, have the privilege of working for Salt Company and just glad to be back with you, glad to see your faces, glad to hear how your uh, breaks were. Uh, but also want to say this again, if, if you're new, if this is your first time, your second time, uh, you're still kind of checking out Soul Company, just want to say welcome. Uh, we're so glad you're here. No matter what your background is, what you believe to be true about Jesus, what, um, what you're kind of discovering in school, I want you to know that you, that you have a home at Soul Company, we want you to we want you to be able to call this place a family where you uh, know others and and feel known and loved. Uh, so a, as I as I say that, I, I actually want to just really quickly uh, tell you a little bit about Soul Company. Tell you about what we love, what we're about, and if you've been coming, maybe this is just a helpful reminder of the things that we value. So uh, the first one, like Abby said, is community. We want this to be a place where you can find lifelong friends to, to do life with for the rest of your life. We value authenticity. We don't just want those friendships to be made uh, on the surface of who you want others to think that you are. We actually want this to be a place where you can, be, you can just be honest about where you're at. And, and I think what you'll find is there are still people here who will love you and, and want to know you. We value and love asking questions, and we hope that this is a place where you can ask hard and difficult questions about life and where, where there's someone that will walk with you through those questions, wrestle with you as you try to figure them out for yourself. And, and the last thing we love is we love and cherish the person of Jesus. We think he is the best thing about life. We love to talk about him. And, and so that's what we're going to do tonight. And what we do at Soul Company is we don't just talk about Jesus from like our opinion. We actually open up God's word and, and we hear what God has to say about himself. And so tonight we're gonna, we're gonna do that. We do that every week at Soul Company. And so if you have a Bible, would you turn it with me to Luke 15? If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. They're in the back, uh, blue one on your way out. Grab it. It's our gift to you. Uh, if you're new to your Bible, a uh, table of contents will help you find Luke. It's in the back 80% of your Bible. Or no, it's 80% through your Bible. It's in the back 20%. That's maybe more helpful. Uh, uh, as you turn there, I, I want to... I want you guys to get to know me a little bit more, and so I'm going to tell you guys a story about when I was in school uh, at the University of Minnesota, go Gophers. Uh, we love the Gophers, but we also love Bethel, Normandale, uh, wherever you guys are from, we're, we're glad you're here, but I, I do love the Gophers, uh, so I want to take you back to 2017. I'm a student. I work in the uh, athletes complex as a student. And so there was one day where I was walking in the halls of the athletes complex and a couple girls from the softball team walked by and I'm like, dang, that one girl is really cute. And so uh, 
whatever, nothing really comes of it, but I do remember saying to my roommate Cole that night, we're like laying in bed, you know, pillow talk, what guys do. Um, and I say to Cole, I say, bro, how cool would it be if a girl like that loved Jesus? But, you know, whatever. So, so it goes. Okay, fast forward a year later, 2018, if you're tracking. Uh, at an event like this, Salt Company kickoff, this same girl walks in. And, man, I am just infatuated with her. I'm like, this girl. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so I start chatting with her, naturally, because I got game, kind of. Uh, and so we start talking, and I realize that it's raining outside, and she's wearing, like, fuzzy slippers. So I don't have a car on campus, but I know how to play my cards right. So I, like, you know, elbow my other roommate, Tony, and I'm like, bro, we're, we're, bringing, we're bringing these two lovely ladies home. We're not going to let them walk in their fuzzy slippers. Uh, so we chat in the back of the car, drop her off. She closes the door. I immediately look at my roommate, Tony, and I say, Tony, I'm going to marry that girl someday. You just wait. This is a true story. Anyway, uh, so I, I know her name at this point. I go on her Instagram. And I find out, I find the worst thing on her Instagram that I could have found, which is that she had a boyfriend. And guys, get this. It wasn't like, a, it wasn't like one picture with the boyfriend. It was like two years of scrolling with, with the boyfriend. So it's fine. I tell myself the lie that every guy believes, which is I didn't want to be with her anyways. I'm fine being just friends. It's fine, right? Yeah, we're going to power through. So we're friends. We hang out in groups. It's not weird. But I, like, am in love with this girl. Like, I, I think about her all the time. I struggle to hang out with her. Okay, so I go back to Tony. I'm like, hey, Tony, you know the girl I told you I was going to marry someday? Here's the issue. She has a boyfriend. That's a little tough. And I'm like, I'm like dead serious at this point. I'm like, bro, I have a problem. I think about her all the time, and I just want to hang out with her all the time. And she has a boyfriend, and I kind of feel icky about that. And so he's like, hey, you should probably stop hanging out with her. And I was like, just one more time. Like, I told her, well, okay. She was going to go back to speak at, like, the FCA of her high school. Come on, how attractive is that? And I was like, I told her I would help her write the message. Like, we, we were going to chat about it. So I, I go to, I go to uh, coffee with her and a couple other friends. And she, like, really aggressively puts her phone on the table. And I was like, that's weird. Um, and then she kind of, like, nudges it towards me again. And I realized she wants me to notice something. She has, like, a clear case on the back of her phone, you know, what I'm talking about. And like uh, all girls do, she put a Polaroid in the back of the clear case so you could see it, right? And what I had noticed earlier was that she had a Polaroid with her and her boyfriend. But now I notice there's no longer a Polaroid of her and her boyfriend. Come on. So I tell my friend Mitch, I'm like, dude, she's at, she's at the bathroom at this time. I'm like, bro, you got to ask her if she has a boyfriend, but Mitch is the best wingman of all time, where he's, like, not going to be direct about it, you know, he's not going to be like, so do you have a boyfriend, like, that's weird, so he's like, oh, what are you, you know, looking forward to when you go, go back to Iowa, she was like, oh, I'm going to, like, see people, like, my mom and my grandma, and it's like, no boyfriend, come on, we're in business, 
So she ended up breaking up with her boyfriend. Two months later, we start dating. A year and a half later, we get engaged. And now we've been married for two years. Come on. Guys, she's here tonight. She is the best wife in the world. Give it up for Rachel one more time. She, she's the best. But here, here's the moral of the story. Guys, I spent so long. I spent two and a half years just seeking this girl out. Three and a half if you count the first time I walked by her. And I'm like, that, yep, that's the one, uh-huh. Um, and I just, I was, I was like trying to send her stuff. I thought that she would think was cool, but like still in the friend zone. You know, okay to be in the friend zone, but like I'm, I'm trying to like send her, you know, hey, listen to this song, listen to this podcast. You know, I'm, I'm trying and then we start dating, and I'm just, like, trying to get to know her. I want to know what her family's like. I, I go to Iowa to meet her family, and then we get engaged, and we start talking about what, uh, what marriage is going to be like, and, and now we're married, and, and we just, like, I, I still am just in this pursuit of trying to get to know her and, and trying to love more of who she is. And so, guys, I, I've spent the last two and a half years of my life seeking after Rachel, and I plan to do it for the rest of my life, just seeking her out and loving her. But why that, why that matters for tonight is in a similar way, a little bit different, but Jesus is, is seeking you out. He's on the search for you. He wants to know you. He wants to love you, and he wants you to love him. And so tonight, we're going to hear uh, a conversation with Jesus in, the, in Luke 15. And, and we're, we're just going to listen to what Jesus has to say. But he's going to say it in a unique way. He's actually going to say it through a story. And that story is called a parable. And, and so what a parable is, is it's a story that Jesus tells that has a, a deeper meaning. So a story he's going to tell that's going to have a deeper meaning that's going to tell us a little bit about who he is and who we are. And that's what our series is about. So when it says scandalous stories on the screen, we're going to, we're going to go through a series that, that talks about parables that Jesus tells, that, that tells us more about who we are, who he is, and what life with him is like. So to do, do that today, we're going to, I'm going to ask you guys three questions. So if you're taking notes, I'm going to walk through three questions for you. And the first question actually comes before the story even starts. And that question is this. Before you hear from Jesus, you actually have to just sit with him. So will you sit with Jesus? Will you sit with him? Which seems like a silly question. Of course, you're at Soul Company. You want to know more about Jesus. Your friend invited you. So of course, you're going to sit with Jesus, but I think as we uncover this question, what you might find is that this question might actually reveal a little bit more about our heart than we initially thought. So look at, if you're following along or it'll be on the screen, look at Luke 15, verse 1. This is what it says. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. Okay. These are the types of people that want to be with Jesus, the tax collectors and the sinners. And so what you need to know is that the tax collectors, that's not just like a normal profession to have during Jesus's time. That's actually a profession that means you betrayed your family to, to go after a life of money and greed and cutting corners. That's the life of a tax collector. They're, they're, they're kind of the outcasts of society. And when he says sinners, he's not just like making this broad brush blanket statement. He's like talking about the worst of the worst prostitutes, the, the crooks, the outsiders, the ones who have been rejected by their families or the ones who have rejected their families, the lonely, 
the lowly, the misfits, the hypocrites. Like, he's talking about the worst of society. This is the type of people that are seeking Jesus out. And of course they're seeking him out, right? They heard stories about him. He's the teacher. He's the healer. And so maybe he could teach them a better way of life. Or maybe he could heal the, the, the sicknesses or the problems that they have. Like the deep-rooted stuff that they have going on. Maybe he can do something about that. But you can imagine if you're one of like the sinners or, or the tax collector, man, maybe you're willing to seek after Jesus, but what will he do with you? Like what's he going to say? Like you're willing to put your reputation on the line, to see if he'll accept you, but like, what if he doesn't? What if, does he have anything to say to you? Does he, does he even want to spend time with you? But it doesn't even matter at this point because you, you've lost everything else. Like, this is your last shot. And so you're willing to, to go and, and just see if he will, what he'll say to you, what he'll do with you. And this is what it says in verse 2. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners, and eats with them. See what it says. It says this man, that's Jesus. This man receives sinners and eats with them. Like, think about that. They're the, they're the most lowly in culture. They're the rejects. They're the forgotten ones. They're the, they're the ones people want nothing to do with. Not only do they draw near to Jesus, but Jesus receives them. He says, yeah, 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 come near. He welcomes them in. He, he makes his dining room table for them. He sets the table. He makes the food. He invites them in, and he says, hey, you can come eat my food and sit at my table. So the qualifications to sit with Jesus are that you're a sinner, an outsider, a tax collector. Like, that's, that's scandal. That's not how it should be like that. That. We look at that story and we're like, that, that doesn't quite add up. It's the, it's the perfectly holy son of God sitting with sinners, tax collectors, outcasts, and hypocrites. And so for you, is that you? Do you feel like an outsider? Do you feel like you've been rejected by someone? Do you feel like too much of a failure? Do you feel like you've disappointed others or disappointed yourself? Do you yourself feel like a hypocrite? Do you feel like you're grimy because of something that you've done in your past? Maybe it's something that you've, you did over break. Maybe it's something you did last night. Man, I'm not so sure. But what Jesus is emphatically saying here is that if that's you, like if you're thinking that maybe that's me tonight, what I want you to hear is you can sit with Jesus. Like those are the type of people that are allowed to sit with Jesus, but there's another group in the story, and I don't want you to miss this other group in the story. This other group has many things to say about Jesus, but few things to hear from Jesus. Go back to verse 2. This is what it says. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled. The Pharisees and the scribes, they were grumbling. This man receives sinners. Sinners. And he eats with them. So who are the scribes? Who are the Pharisees? These are the upright in societies. The ones who have their life together. They're coming into, they're coming to church every week. They, they got their shirts buttoned up. Like, these are, these are the, the ones that have grown up doing the right thing, knowing the right thing, having their life 
together, holding their heads high because they don't think anyone has anything bad to say about them. And they grumble. They grumble because Jesus, the the teacher, the healer, is more eager to sit with sinners than he is to sit with them. Like, they won't even say his name. They say, this man. They don't say Jesus receives them. They say, this man. Why? Because they don't want to be associated with the cultural rejects. They don't want to be associated with the outsiders, the hypocrites, the ones who are too far gone. They're not interested in that. They want to keep their image together. They want to sit at the right tables, right? The ones, the table, the kind of tables that make them look better, that boost their ego, that tell them how great they are. So after hearing that, I'm going to ask you the question again. Will you sit with Jesus, because I actually think that it's totally possible to be sitting in these chairs right now, to sit where you guys sit, and have no desire to sit at the table with Jesus. This was me in college for a long time, so maybe I'm just going to, maybe you're like the Pharisees, and you, be associ- you don't want to be associated with the weirdos and the outcasts. You're more interested in being associated with the right group of people. Maybe you're like the Pharisees. Because you, like them, don't think you need help with your relationship with God. Like, you, you got that together. Maybe you're like the Pharisees and you come to Soul Company hoping to find, like, a, a bunker that can shield you from all the bad people out there. I can find my good kind of people that have it all together, Christian folk, in here, and I just want to say I'm sorry to disappoint you, but this, <laughs> the more you get to know Saul Company, guys, the more you're just going to find a, a place of sinners that don't have their life together, that are figuring it out. You know how I know that? Because I'm one of them. Guys, because I'm a, yeah, I help to lead this ministry. I get on the stage, I have a microphone, but I'm the first one at the door saying, I need to sit with Jesus. I don't have my life together. I don't have it figured out. I still fall into sin. And so, yeah, I hope you find here a a community of people that you love and want to do life with, but I think what you'll find is it's a community of sinners, not a community of people who have their life together. But I I just want to, like, man, I I just want to, like, talk to the Pharisee really quickly because, guys, I was the Pharisee. I think it's easy to say, like, I'm not the Pharisee, but I was the Pharisee. I came into this place, like, I walked onto campus thinking, like, yeah, I, I'm good. Man, there's so much brokenness on the campus, and I'm staying so far away from that brokenness because I, I know what the good Christian life is like, and so I'm going I'm to be really careful about who I become friends with because I want to be, become friends with the right crowd, the right kind of people. And, you know, I'll talk to those people in class, but, like, I don't, I don't really have any interest in being their friend. I'm going to go to Salt Company I'm going to, like, be friends with Salt Company people. I'm going to be cool at Salt Company. Because if I'm cool at Salt Company, like, that, that means I got it. That means I'm good. Guys, that was me. And it took me hearing a message like this to say, oh, my goodness, maybe I'm a Pharisee. Like, I needed an, oh, my goodness, I might be a Pharisee moment. 
because I pointed fingers at the outcasts of society while I stood away from the table that Jesus was inviting me to sit at. And so maybe you walk in here feeling like a Pharisee, but what I want to tell you is that the moment you realize that you might be a Pharisee is the moment you realize that you're actually a sinner, and when you're a sinner, then you can come sit at the table of Jesus. So if you walk into this place thinking, I'm a sinner, like you don't need to convince me of that, you're welcome to sit at the table with Jesus. But I also want to equally extend the invitation to the Pharisee if you're coming in here thinking like, I'm better than other people, but now I'm realizing like, man, maybe that's actually not that good of a place to be. The same invitation is extended to you to say, hey, there's actually another chair, pull it up, sit at the table with Jesus. Like you can come in the room too. So no matter how you come in, all of us come in with a little bit of sinner in us and a little bit of Pharisee in us. Like every single one of us has a little bit of sinner and a little bit of Pharisee, some more than others, but all of us are welcome to sit at the table with Jesus. So, will you sit? But then the next question is not just will you sit at the table with Jesus, but will you hear what he has to tell you? So, will you hear? Will you sit? And will you hear? Jesus is eating with a bunch of screw-ups, and so you expect the story to go something like this. There was an athlete, and that athlete broke his leg, but through like determination and hard work and, and following all, all the guidelines of rehab, he was able to, to become stronger than he was before and, and run again and jump again and go back to competing in his sport at the highest level. Or you expect the story to be something like this. There was a group of outsiders who couldn't quite get, like, get in the crowd at school. They, couldn't, they could, couldn't quite figure that out. And so they like, went to a stylist and they figured out how to better dress. They listened to all the right podcasts. And so they figured out how to talk. They worked really hard at school. And so they got their grades up. So they're now some of the smarter people in the room. And then that group of outsiders is now kind of in the in-group in school. That's not how the story goes. It goes... Actually, like this, I'm going to skip down to verse 8 of Luke 15. It says, it says this. You wouldn't believe what Jesus says. He says, Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. <laughs> Tell a story about a freaking coin. <laughs> kind of weird. But a lost coin. Not, not a woman who lost all her coins, a, a woman who lost one coin. But the coin meant so much to the woman that she's going to like search her whole house to find it. She's going to look through everything she has to find it. So as I said earlier, this is a story, a parable that Jesus is telling that's representing a, a deeper reality. So if this story is pointing us to some truth that Jesus wants to teach us, the question we have to ask ourselves is, what's the coin? What's the, what's the thing that's lost that needs to be found? Is the coin your self-image? Like, you need to go on the search for your self-image. Is it your grades? Is it your sense of righteousness? Like, your right standing, doing the right thing that God has for you? Do you need to go on the search for that? Do you need to go on the search for, for your past to try to work and redeem it? Do you need to go on the search for uh, a misplaced love? No. None of those things are true. The coin isn't some little part of your life that's misplaced. The coin is your entire life. You are the lost coin, which means you are not the woman. 
which means you are not the lamp that helps the woman find the coin. The, the story isn't about how you find some part of you that you lost, but how Jesus found you when you were lost. The, the story isn't about how you go on the search. The story is about how Jesus went on the search for you. So if you're sitting at the table, rejected, feeling like an outsider, a sinner, an outcast, would you also see that you're the coin collecting dust under the dresser? But that also makes Jesus the one who would get on his hands and knees and get all dusty so that he could find you. That's what that means for your life. Here's another way to, way to think about it. I went on a, a vacation uh, over break to Mexico. It was amazing. Hang out at the beach. It was so awesome. But, like, if you're the lost coin buried in the sand, this is going to sound weird, and it's fine. That makes Jesus the old man with the metal detector that just, like, walking up and down the beach, not waiting for the waves to wash up hidden treasure, but just looking, searching, willing to dig for it with his little uh, shovel. That's who Jesus is. And you know what? I've never seen an old man at a beach with a metal detector who looks mad at his life. Like, they always love their life. Right? The, the old man with the metal detector is, like, eager to find anything, anything at all. He's like the little pop can top, and he's like, look at this. This is amazing, right? Okay, that's Jesus looking for you. He's eager. He's on the search. He's not waiting until the waves wash and clean you up. He's willing to dig in the sand to find you. And he did it by leaving his throne of glory and coming to earth, walking among sinners. When we talk about the gospel, we talk about the gospel a lot at Soul Company. This is what it is. And as Jesus walked among sinners, he wasn't like the Pharisees where he thought he could do no wrong. He was the son of God and he could actually do no wrong. Like Jesus lived a perfect life. And the Bible, talking about the life of Jesus, says this. It says, he who knew no sin became sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So let me explain that really quickly. Jesus didn't know sin. He was sinless, but he became sin. He became like us and took on the punishment of sin, which the Bible says the punishment of sin, the punishment for betraying God, for living a life that we shouldn't have lived, is death. But Jesus became sin. He, he actually took on death so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, which means that when we believe in Jesus, we actually now gain his right standing before God. God sees us when we believe in him as perfect and holy like Jesus was. That's the good news of Jesus. That we get to receive the righteousness of God. And when we receive the righteousness of God, when we believe in him, we receive a whole new life that is so beautiful and amazing and awesome. This is the last question. The first question was, will you sit? The second question was, will you hear? Will you hear that story, that you're actually the coin that Jesus went looking for? The last question is, will you receive that all he has to offer you? Will you receive all that he has to offer you? Guys, there are so many things to receive from Jesus. Man, I could, have, I could exhaust a list, go on for hours on this, but I'm just going to go over three. Three things from this text that point 
to this life that we get when we say yes to Jesus. First one. Or let me go to verse 10, excuse me. This is what it says. Just so I tell you, this is Jesus speaking now. There is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. There is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So the first thing we're going to talk about is repentance. Okay, how do we receive repentance? It's an invitation, actually. Jesus is inviting us to a life of repentance. So what is repentance? Repentance is turning from or changing your mind from this old way of living. So we look at our old life, a life of being a lost coin, and we say, I mean, I don't actually want that life anymore. It was like not that good of a life. It got me into a bad spot, and I don't want to be in that spot anymore. So I'm just going to... I'm going to decide not to live like that anymore. I'm, I'm going to like pursue this life of following Jesus. Like, we can, we can receive that as a gift, but I think a lot of times we think of it like is not actually that good of an invitation. But guys, here's how I want you to think about it. I want you to think about this like invitation for Jesus for you to repent. Like when you're at Chick-fil-A in the line, and you order your sandwich, and you order your fries, and then the lovely Chick-fil-A employee says, would you like any sauce with that? And you're like, yes, please. It's been like waiting for you to extend that as an invitation. I will take four Chick-fil-A sauces, a buffalo, and a ranch. Thank you so much for blessing me with that. that guys, that's actually how we should respond to the invitation of Jesus to repent. Yes. Yes, please. But I don't want you to confuse how that happens. We aren't invited to repent and then invited into the family with God to be found by Jesus. No, all of our repentance is wooed and won by Jesus first. He says, hey, I, I want to find you. I want to seek you out when you're lost. I want to get my hands and knees, get my hands dusty and dirty so that I can find you under the dresser, so I can wipe the sand off your back. So I can dig and find you. That is what Jesus wants. And so, man, if this is a new message for you, I just want to invite you, like, would you repent and believe? But maybe you, 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 you're a Christian, you've been following Jesus for a long time. Here's what I also want to say to you. That now that you're a Christian, the answer is not, okay, now I just have to get my life together. Now I just have to work a lot harder. It's actually to come back to this story and say, how do I receive Repentance. I look to the one who found me when I was lost. I worship the one who sought after me, who became like me, so that I could become the righteousness of God. We see that all of repentance in life is won first by the pursuit of Jesus, not by you pursuing him first. So then, second thing, if first one is repentance, the second thing, is that when you receive this life of repentance, you receive, receive a life of indestructible joy. Guys, it says there is joy, like the angels rejoice over a sinner who repents. Guys, if the angels are rejoicing from everything I've experienced about my entire life of following Jesus, if the angels are rejoicing, I want to be rejoicing too. Like if they're experiencing joy, I want to experience joy, and I found that to be true in my life. That when I turn from my old way of living, I actually start to experience a life that was better than I could have imagined. A life so deeply rooted in joy that nothing can touch it. 
I'm not promising you a life where everything is painless, where it's happy. That's not my experience of following Jesus, but my experience of following Jesus is that no matter what happens, no matter how life kicks me when I'm down, the thing life cannot do is rob the joy that I have in knowing Jesus Christ as the one who found me when I was lost. Guys, Jesus is awaiting you, and the life with him is so amazing. It won't fix everything overnight, but it'll change a lot. And one of the greatest things that you can experience is this life of indestructible joy, where nothing can beat it out of you. Third thing. So first one, he's inviting you to repentance. Second thing, he's inviting you to a life of indestructible joy. Third thing. He's inviting you to a life of significance. Soul Company, I know what it's like to be sitting in your chairs. Because I was sitting in your chair, and in a lot of ways, I still am sitting in your chair, looking for my life to matter. Looking to do something great so that my life would matter. Matter to someone. Man, maybe if I get the job I've always wanted, my life will matter to the corporate world. Maybe if I make enough money, my life will matter to someone. Maybe if I get good enough grades, my life will matter to my parents. Maybe if I dress a certain way, act a certain way, talk a certain way, post on social media a certain way, my life will matter to someone. There's another group of people in the room. And, man, you want a life of significance because someone along the way told you that you were insignificant or maybe showed you that you were insignificant. And I just want to say I'm sorry. But there's an invitation from Jesus. into a life of significance. You see, guys, we we lay our heads on our pillows at night and we like dream of what it would be like to have significance, to matter, to make our life count. We dream of that life. And while we're in that moment, in that same moment, God, like the God of the universe who holds the world in his hands, who controls atoms and molecules, who raises kings and sets down kingdoms, who controls the world by his word. That God, in that moment, when you're dreaming of a life of significance and your head's on the pillow, he says words that will change everything about your life, and that is, he will say to you, you are significant to me. That you matter to me. Guys, the one who is ultimately significant, the most significant being to ever live says that you are significant in him. You don't have to look for it anywhere else. You can look to him. You can look to the one who sought you out. You are significant enough to leave heaven for. You are significant enough to die for. You are significant enough to invite to follow him. That's what the Bible says. That's what it teaches. And so I ask you tonight, Saul Company, will you just sit with him? Will you sit with Jesus? Then will you hear from him? Will you hear what he has to say about being lost, but him finding you along the way? And then will you receive? Will you not stay lost, but will you respond to the one who is inviting you by saying this, I was lost, but now I'm found. Let's pray. God, I was lost looking for a way out, looking for a way out in my sin, looking for a way out by pushing myself away from 
the outsider and the outcast. But God, I f- when I was lost, you found me. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And so, God, would you help me every day going forward to say I was lost, but now I'm found? I can turn from my old way of living and I can look to you and I can see a life of joy and a life of significance. And God, by your mercy and by your grace, would people say yes to you right now? Say, I was lost. I was a Pharisee or I was a sinner. I was a tax collector. I was an outsider. But God, I need you to find me right now. And God, the promises that you make is that when we turn to you, you will receive us with open arms. And so God, would you do that right now? Would you receive the outsider? And invite them into a life of repentance and a life of joy. I got a life where they are ultimately significant because you say that they matter to you. God, we love you. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.